Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries, and this is a call-in episode. And to get the ball rolling, we have a few calls from Jason of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. So take it away, Jason. Hey, John. Jason here from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I don't know what happened. There was some kind of glitch. I didn't hear minutes 5 through 7 of your, pod, your recent podcast. Something about disclaimer. I'm sure it's not important. But you can't just make absolute statements about books and the way they're printed, man. That's just not okay. If you gave your opinion, I could understand. But these absolutes... Only Sith speak in absolutes there, my friend. Actually, don't you find that interesting? Because when I watch those movies, the Jedi are the ones that seem to be speaking in absolutes throughout almost all those movies. So I always find that kind of ironic that they say only Sith speak in absolutes. Anyway, looks like this is going long, so I'll leave you another message here in a second. So I agree with you on the margins. You know, I recently picked up a book, an RPG, and... And I'll be nice, I won't say who it's from. But not only are the margins wide, it's got like a border around the text. So it's got wide margins plus this fancy border around the text. It takes up even more space. And then you have a margin inside that border. So, you know, you have a big a big margin, a box outline, and then another margin in the text inside of that. So it's kind of... Cr- and then they had like spaces between chapters, like blank pages between chapters. So, yeah, there's definitely something going on there. I will take you to task a little bit over the print size. I think they recognize they have an aging audience. And for a lot of us, the print size is welcome. Not 20 or 30 print, but, you know, 12 or 14 is welcome. And while I appreciate your point about offering big print books and regular print books, the, the, mar- the profit margin on RPGs isn't that great. I can't imagine that they could afford to do separate runs of big print and small print books. You may be able to do it on a PDF, but I or you know print on demand. It might be realistic, but a regular print book, I, I can't see smaller companies being able to afford to do that. So, anyway, it's just my two cents. For the most part, I agree with you, and definitely with the art, I agree with you. So, I enjoyed your podcast. I enjoyed listening to that. Can't talk. I enjoyed your podcast. I hope to talk to you soon in the future. Thanks very much, Jason. That was Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And he was referring to my previous episode where I was talking about massive margin syndrome, i.e. books that sort of pad out a lack of any real content by using overly expansive artwork or, well, as well sometimes by padding out their margins or using a ridiculously big font and stuff like that. Now, Jason does make a very good point about the the sort of aging market of RPGs. And perhaps, who knows, maybe the the, uh, people who write books, you know, the big manufacturers, maybe they have started recognizing this. And maybe that's why the font sizes are creeping up. However, I can't help but feel instinctively sort of deep down in my waters that when I see a book that has big margins and the text is, all right, yeah, maybe not 12 point, but that, I think that's pretty pretty bob on. But uh, 
when it's like sort of 16, pushing on 18, or when the font size seems to vary between pages or when they use like a million different fonts. It just feels very much to me, and perhaps this might be snobbishness because I was always taught not to excessively use fonts or pad stuff out when I was writing, but to be concise. It always feels to me like it's just trying to make up or obfuscate a lack of decent content or trying to pad the book out because they had a certain number of pages they had to hit due to their printers, layouts, or whatever they can do with print runs, etc. I'm no expert on print runs. But thank you very much for getting in touch, Jason. And, yeah, I think you're absolutely right about the Jedi in Star Wars. They speak in absolutes all the time. But in a way, I sort of like that because a lot of what the Jedi do is like well hypocritical, which makes them almost seem like normal people rather than these sort of like holier-than-thou knights that they like to portray themselves as. And let's face it, they do sort of come a cropper in the end because of their hypocrisy and their inability to recognise it and what's going on right in front of them. But thanks again, Jason. Look forward to speaking to you soon. The next call we have is from Liren of Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. So take it away, Liren. Hey, John, it's Liren. I'm listening to your margin episode, and I know what you mean. It can sure seem like people are just trying to pad their page numbers, can't it? Um, one consideration about things like that is accessibility. So the problem with having a page that's a wall of text is that it makes, it makes it extremely hard to read for someone who has, say, dyslexia or for someone who's on the autism spectrum who, when they see a wall of text like that, it just kind of all blurs together. So I don't know, you know, there's a happy medium to be struck between having just a solid page of text and um, making it so that there's so little content on each page that the document is twice the size it has to be. I mean, I know you're not saying everything should be just a solid wall of text, but I just know that uh, for layout considerations, accessibility is an important consideration, and I think most people uh, forget about it. So anyway, great episode. Thanks very much, Lauren. As usual, I think you've pretty much hit the nail right on the head there when it comes to getting that fine balance between having a decent amount of art and a concession and an appreciation of a smoothly flowing layout that is easy to read and accentuates the contents of the text when measured against, you know, just padding out unnoteworthy or sort of crappy text using excessive images, uh, tricks, excessive use of negative space and stuff like that. And I think you're absolutely right. The best, the best sort of solution as far as I can see is that elusive happy medium. Now, don't get me wrong when I say that I'd rather, I'd rather have good text, no art than crappy or sort of space filler art and rubbish text. It's not that I, as you rightly say, it's not that I want everything just to be a big wall of text, but the text and the sort of information that's in a book is mainly what I'm reading it for. Now, don't get me wrong, if I can have some beautiful artwork with some nice layout and that happy medium, I will take that in a hot second. However, if I have to pick one or the other, I'll go for the content because... That's what I've paid my money for. 
Thank you very much for calling in, Liren. Great to hear from you, as always. Okay, and our next call is from Rob C. of the Down in a Heap podcast. Take it away, Rob. Hey, John. It's Rob from Down in a Heap. Really enjoyed your episode on property and domains. I think that's a topic that has a lot of meat left on the bone. I'd never really have campaigns that go to name level in D&D, but... I still try and encourage the players to pursue holdings, and usually it doesn't take a whole lot of encouragement. They're often very interested in buying a place in town or renovating some ruin that they've cleared or more often buying a tavern or something. And uh, I find it often takes the hobo out of the murder hobo, and they become a little bit more interested in the communities that they're residing or in or around and uh it just expands the the uh the gameplay a lot um gonna have to go jackson here i'm going to jackson holdings are a really good way to dispose of accumulated wealth as well and the the place i go to is the cook marsh expert set page x 52 has a pretty thorough list of costs and methods for building and uh, I don't know renovating things and stuff. They have a a stone building, civilian, two story attic, hundred and twenty feet of wall, wooden doors, stairs, floors, and roof for three thousand gold pieces, and a wooden wooden building with the same dimensions as fifteen hundred. So I don't think your costs were really all that far off. Um, and of course, as you did, you'd adjust it based on location and whatnot. And of course, they wouldn't attract the followers that they have listed for the name level characters, but that doesn't mean that they can't have henchmen and hirelings and mercenaries and whatnot. Although I do find that the players seem to become very frugal when it comes to paying wages or just, you know, uh, divvying up loot with henchmen and hirelings and and stuff but uh yeah bx has a a good way of dealing with that with morale and um maintaining uh the loyalty of henchmen and whatnot so anyway i really enjoy that aspect of play and i find the players really get into designing floor plans and building and things uh you know they're constantly making modifications and let's put a sub basement in here or what so cool stuff keep it up thanks thanks very much for your message rob yeah i agree unlike the the concept of holdings buying a building investing the character in a part of the setting putting down roots you know that sort of thing now a lot of my games never tend to sort of reach the high level, like equivalent of name level. And for some reason, I, I don't know what, my, my my sort of regular groups of players never really seem to get into that whole sort of hiring henchmen, attracting followers sort of vibe. But I do like to give them the option of buying a building, you know, setting up a base of operations, etc. Because as you were suggesting, I think it does a great job in sort of grounding the player characters in the setting. 
after all, if you're in a generic city district and something bad goes down and a few buildings get burnt, what's it matter to you at the end of the day, really? Unless you're like super into like the role play. Now, if your character, however, owns a tavern on that city block where that big fire is spreading at, you can bet the player characters are going to be vastly more concerned about it because it's threatening their shit. And as we all know, players don't like things that threaten their stuff. Now, I'm not saying that giving them holdings should simply be an excuse to threaten the stuff that they prize. In the same way as you shouldn't encourage people to have a background simply to threaten the various NPCs. Because if you do that, you're soon going to end up with a party of people who have no background. They come from nowhere. Their parents are dead. They've just got their father's sword, etc. Which, don't get me wrong, can be fun in the right kind of game. But gets a little bit samey after a while. So whilst it's all right to threaten a person's holdings occasionally, the real benefit for me is that you almost sort of expand the setting by having players and player characters who use holdings. They they start to ask about, you know, who are the regulars in the area? If they own a shop that you might give be able to give a few sort of regular NPC customers. Maybe there's a tavern down the way and the, the tavern keeper cuts them a deal where you buy some apples from their orchard to make into cider or maybe you get some barrels off them or whatever. All this is good stuff that you don't really need to focus on in the game. You can start dropping in a bit like, oh, yeah, as you're, uh, as you're getting ready to go on your latest adventure, you see old Jones, the um, the barrel right, rolling a barrel down the street. He nods at you and says, oh, see you for a pint, same time on Friday down at the local tavern. Just stuff like that. Just the everyday stuff that we, we give very little thought to in real life most of the time. But it can add an awful lot to games. And really, it doesn't really cost you a lot in terms of prep to actually do. The, as a GM, the players will do most of the work. You just have to provide them with, here's how much it costs to buy a house or whatever, or to build one. Here's how much it costs to expand it. They jump, they're normally fairly enthusiastic about laying out the plans and stuff like that. And then you just expand on the ideas that they give you. And it really can add that extra sort of kick to your your, your game environment, your your campaign setting, and really sort of ramp it up a notch. Thank you very much for your call, Rob. I hope to get back to the subject of holdings as well as hirelings at some time in the future. I'm a little bit sort of nose to the grindstone at the minute because work is mental, and also November is NaNoWriMo, so I'm trying to crank out 2,000-plus words a day on the sort of sample novel that i'm writing which is taking a bit of a toll on my other creative endeavors but as soon as that's done i'm able to get right back in the saddle and maybe slip a couple of cheeky episodes in during november and get back to some of these topics that i've enjoyed in the past so thank you very much again for your call Hi, Arthur here. Uh, just a very quick call in. Just wanted to say thank you very much for putting on the Discord how to get the RSS feed for these Anchor podcasts. I can't use Anchor to listen to podcasts. It drives me insane, uh, especially the longer ones. So I use the Apple phone and uh, got 
built-in podcatcher there, but a number of the Anchor podcasts I couldn't listen to because I, I just couldn't get into it. Um, on the Apple, when you're searching for a podcast, if you go to edit, it says add um, show via URL or something like that, RSS feed, and you can just literally type it in and then save your favourite podcast and start listening on your podcatcher. So I think it'd be really useful if you could put something on one of your episodes just to remind people. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. That was Darren Green there, a.k.a. Arfed, a.k.a. the brother of Colin Green, the notorious Spike Pit, and a brilliant role player and conventioner in his own right. Now, Arfed was referring there to a tutorial post that I put on my blog explaining how you could use the Chrome browser to find the RSS feed of any Anchor blog. Sorry, Anchor podcast. Now, I tend to include the RSS feed of mine in the description because, like Arfed, I don't use Anchor to listen to podcasts. I use Pocket Casts. Obviously, you can use your podcatcher of choice. However, it's sometimes a bit hit and miss when it comes to actually locating podcasts. So just being able to drop that RSS feed in is a massive time saver. Now, I, when I was sort of working out how to do this, I had to scout around for ages on the internet to find out how to do it. So to, to save a bit of time for the various role players out there, not all of which are technical wizards, not that I'm saying I am, to be honest. I'd describe myself as a technical apprentice with delusions of grandeur at most, but I wanted to save them a little bit of effort, so I'll put that in a blog post with, as like a little sort of mini tutorial, and I'll put a link to that in the description of this episode. Glad it's been some use to you, Arfed, and hopefully it'll enable people out there to keep up more with the podcasts that they enjoy. I don't know what you're saying, Arfred, when it comes to listening to podcasts. Recently, I've been, well, I pretty much listen on my Nokia 5, my phone, when I'm on my commutes and whatever. However, in the most recent update, in about September-ish time, they've suddenly capped the volume at a much lower level. So a lot of the slightly quieter podcasts are almost inaudible to me now, which has really like thrown the spanner in the works of my podcast enjoyment and listening Luckily, I think I found a way around it. I managed to get an app which boosts my volume a bit. It distorts the sound somewhat, which is a little bit annoying, but at least I'll be able to get back to listening to my podcasts and hopefully catch up on some of the episodes I've had queuing up whilst I've been trying to sort out this problem. But hopefully we can get the word out. We can make it as easy as possible for people to find the podcasts they like. Thank you very much for your message, Arfad. Hope to speak to you soon. Hey, John. Jason here from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Don't let Colin give you a hard time, man. I understand that all us Americans sound the same, so it's hard to keep me and Joe apart. No hard feelings. I do appreciate the kind words. And like I said, I think Colin's just having a laugh at you. So don't take it too hard. We'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> Cheers, Jason. Now, that's Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. And what he's referring to 
is a call-in I did to Colin Green, a.k.a. Spike Pitt's podcast, where I was talking about the recent Black Hack game run by Dave Aldridge that Jason, Colin, myself, and a few others played in. Great game. I'm hoping to do a, a little bit of a podcast about that, although I think I've probably missed the boat a little bit. So I, think, I certainly know Colin's probably done about 18 episodes while I've been recording this message. But I, I know certainly far more eloquent podcasters than me have already talked about what a great game it was. And I've left a few messages. Like I say, I've had various technical problems recently. But I really did enjoy that game. However, when I was leaving a message for Colin, sort of early morning slash late at night, slightly hungover and the worst for wear, I, for some reason, got the names Jason and Joe entirely mixed around in my mind and consistently referred to Jason as Joe during that segment, which Colin was good enough to point out for me. And dutifully, as is his right as a friend of mine and a fellow Britisher, took the piss a little bit. And don't don't worry, Jason, I'm not taking it personally at all. In fact, when you're friends with someone in Britain, it's pretty much the standard way of saying hello. I always think that's how you, you know when you're actually friends with someone, when you can take the piss out of each other a bit in a friendly manner and no one gets hurt feelings or really gets bothered about it. But what's all this you're saying about Americans all sounding the same? American? I thought you were Australian. Nah, I'm just kidding, man. Like I say, just taking the piss a bit with a bit of good-natured jocularity. But thank you very much for your call, Jason. Nice to finish off with a call from Jason as we began with a call from him. So that's it for this call-in episode. Like I say, things are a little bit up in the air at the moment for me because work's sort of putting the hammer down and I'm trying to struggle my way through NaNoWriMo. I'm about 20,000 words into my 50,000-word goal, hoping to have certainly reached over halfway by the end of this week, and I keep sort of plugging away at it. But it is taking a dent out of my creative time for other endeavours. But I'm hoping to still sneak a few cheeky little podcast episodes in there, and once that's out of the way, get back to recording some more lengthy episodes. I'm currently trying to organise a group podcast with myself, Johannes Pavela and Matthew Bryan, to talk about the Burning Wheel one-shot that Johannes ran for us last weekend, which was very enjoyable. You can see the actual play video of that on my Twitch and YouTube if you wish. But very much enjoy that. My first time playing that system, although I've talked about it a bit before. I don't know, Johannes ran it several years prior, but hasn't run it recently apart from this one game. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how our opinions and our ideas may have changed or evolved slightly now that we've actually played it. But we're doing our best to sort of synchronize our schedules at the minute, but everyone's getting quite busy, run up to Christmas and all that. So We'll just have to sort of play that by ear and see what happens. Anyway, thank you for listening to my ramblings tonight. And thank you to all the people who have called in. That was Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Liren, updates from the middle of nowhere. Rob C from Down in a Heap. Darren Green, a.k.a. Arfad. 
and rounding off with Jason again. So until I speak to you all soon, whatever you're playing, wherever you're playing it, have fun and enjoy yourselves. Take care.